Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. My text is going to be from verse 19 down to verse 23. And my subject in this text is warnings against covetousness. Covetousness is any desire, could be little or great, that causes us to want something that we don't have and that God has not given to us. We're studying in this series, started back at the beginning of Matthew 5 and now Matthew 6, instruction that the Lord gives to his disciples as to how they live in his kingdom and by his grace. In religion, people judge people by outward acts and they judge people being spiritual by the things they do, but the Lord addresses the heart. The gospel has to do with the heart and the thoughts of the heart, and covetousness certainly is an evil that is in every one of our hearts. <laughs> I once had a friend that asked me one time, he said, are you content with what you have? And I told him, well, for the most part, I think I am. And he said, so if you found some money lying in the street or on the sidewalk, would you just walk on by it and leave it for the next person? Or would you pick it up and put it in your pocket? <laughs> and I had to say, well, I would probably pick it up and put it in my pocket. That's just my nature. But that's that's what covetousness is. It's, thinking that we have enough, and yet given the opportunity to get more, we always want more. And 
So let's look at these scriptures that our Lord gives here in Matthew six nineteen to 23 concerning these warnings against covetousness. He says in verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Now there are two kinds of treasures that the Lord speaks of here. In verse 19, he talks about not being obsessed with earthly treasures. That's what covetousness is, being obsessed with things that we have. So that's one kind of treasure. Now, verse 20, he speaks of another kind of treasure and one that is much better. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And then in verse 21, he points to the root of the problem. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if your treasure is on the things of this earth, that means your heart is on the things of this earth. But if your treasure is on things above, that is where Christ himself is seated in glory, that means that's where your heart is. And we know only the Spirit of God can draw our heart to Christ in that manner. And so verses 22 and 23 
show us what it is that causes our heart to look one way or another. It's through the eye, the eye gate. The eye is the like a camera. It sees those things and then it registers on the heart. Verse 22 says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single or focused, thy whole body shall be full of light. Of course, here the true light is Christ. So if the Spirit gives us eyes to see Christ, not physically, but spiritually, to have our eyes set upon him, then that light shines throughout our entire being. And then verse 23, but, you see all this is contrast. You've got treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. You've got the eye that is set to the light that is Christ, but, verse 23, contrast, if thine eye be evil, Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. When it speaks there of the light that is in you being darkness, that has to do with man's natural knowledge of things concerning God in Christ. And there are a lot of people that profess to know Christ, and yet whatever light is in them is actually darkness because it's not by the revelation of the Spirit. It's just a profession. And sooner or later, they're going to be attached or go in the direction of things of this earth rather than those things that pertain to Christ's glory. So coming back to verse 19, let's look at the warning against 
covetousness or laying up for ourselves treasures on earth. A treasure is something that you have and that you desire to keep at all costs and that you are going to try to protect and is of great value to you. But if our focus is on treasures on earth, we're going to be greatly disappointed because the Lord says that any earthly treasure is simply temporary and can be taken away in an instant. When it says here, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, the Greek puts it this way, do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. Do not make earthly things your treasures. I once heard the story about a man that robbed a bank and he went and hid the money in the ground and he was arrested and had to spend 20 years in prison. And when he got out of prison, he went and dug up the money that he had put in the ground and it was all gone. It was all destroyed. So he wasn't even able to enjoy what he had so diligently robbed. That's what the scriptures say here. Don't treasure up things where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. Now, what is that issue here is not that things are bad, that having certain things in this world are bad, because we have to live. You have to have a house. You have to have furniture. You have to have money to go to the market and buy. So the Lord is not denouncing earthly things, but the issue here is setting your heart on those things. The 
We know from the parables of Christ, particularly concerning the talents, that whatever the Lord has given us, we are to use for his glory and seek to expand those things for his honor and glory. But the key is for his glory, not for ourselves. Someone once did a survey, and we see these all the time, about what people have and what they think they really need in order to live a comfortable life. And most people will talk about needing double what they have currently. That's almost down the line, the answer. If I could just have twice as much as I have now, then I think I could be more comfortable. But here again, it's not that, that things are evil in and of themselves, but it's that desiring to have more than what we have. In other words, not being content. So covetousness is the opposite of contentment. The Apostle Paul himself is an example because he was a man well-educated and he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He could well have lived a very comfortable life because the Pharisees were the ones that exacted money from the people and lived very richly. And yet when the Lord was pleased to teach him of Christ, he renounced all of that and went out and actually pretty much lived a life of poverty as he went from place to place preaching the gospel. He had no place or home that he could call his own. And yet he was content because the Lord had set him apart to the ministry. Look what he wrote to Timothy over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. 
He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So when he says godliness, that means those things that we have in Christ by which we have been made righteous in him, we find in him all of our contentment and that is all of our desire. And he goes on to say in verse 7, we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. In Egypt, they built those pyramids for the kings that had died and they filled them with all the treasures of those kings, thinking that somehow they could take these with them into the afterlife. But over the years, different robbers have tried to break into those pyramids to steal and take out the treasures because they're still there. There's nobody that can take anything with them from this life. So that's one reason not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. We're going to leave it here anyway. We don't own these things. They are borrowed. They're given to us by God for a time, but they're not ours. That's why Paul says in verse 8, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. You see, contentment is the contrast to covetousness. Having food and clothing, let us be therewith content. Based on that definition, I am rich above measure. The Lord has blessed me far more than what I deserve. And when I get complaining about this or that, I stop and think about this. Do I have food? Yes, I ate today. Do I have clothing? Yes, I'm wearing clothes. In fact, have more than what I need. So with that, let me be content. <laughs> 
So that's one reason why we're not to set our heart on things of this world because we can't take them with us anyway. But secondly, there in verse 9, here's the real reason. It says, they that will be rich, that is covet riches, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's why the Lord said that it's easier to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. When he talks about an eye of the needle, you think about a, ne a sewing needle, that little eye, who could ever push themselves through that? They can't. But that's what the Lord said. It's impossible that one whose heart is set on riches can even entertain entering into the kingdom of God. When the Lord said that to his disciples, you can look it up at some other time, they said, who then can be saved? And he said, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In other words, it takes God changing the heart and causing the sinner to see all of their hope and need in Christ and the treasures in him and his grace drawn away from the things of this world. As I said already, our Lord is not saying that it is wrong to possess earthly things. But here in verse 10, it says it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money, which while some what coveted after, they have erred from the faith 
and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He does not say that it's wrong to lay up treasures on earth, but the key, coming back to my text here in Matthew chapter 6, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, everything that the Lord gives us, we're mindful that it's his and not ours. Paul told Timothy there in 1 Timothy 6.10 that because of coveting after things or laying up for themselves things on earth, many have erred from the faith. In other words, they begin to pursue those things of the earth rather than see that their greatest need is hearing of Christ and being found in him. And don't think that we as preachers will not be tested and tried in this very matter. I know a number of preachers who for a while profess to believe this gospel of grace and the work of Christ alone, and yet given a better opportunity somewhere else, someone offered to pay them more money to go preach another gospel, another message, they have left the gospel and become entangled, ensnared in wanting to make a good living for themselves. And they prove by that that they never were the Lord's. So let's come back here to Matthew 6 and look at the positive. We've been looking at the negative, but here in verse 20, it says where it is we are to lay up for ourselves treasures. It says in heaven. 
When it says treasures in heaven, don't think as some people do and are being taught, well, if I give my money to the Lord here, that means that up in heaven, he's building me a mansion. There's some that reason that way. I'll pay my tithe. And so every bit of money that I give to the Lord, that's going toward another piece of material up in heaven that's building me a mansion. That's not the treasures in heaven. Even though on earth gold is a precious item, don't think that somehow in heaven when it speaks of streets of gold that somehow that's referring to material things. No, that's talking about those things that pertain to God's glory. And Christ, he's the true treasure of heaven. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if God by his grace has taught us of Christ and what he's accomplished and where he is now, that's where our affection is in him and all the treasures, all the grace and the peace and the pardon that are in him. We enjoy here on earth, but that's our, he's our hope of glory. Look with me in Colossians chapter 3 and beginning with verse 1. Here's a description from Scripture of what it is to have your treasure in heaven. He says in verse one, if ye then be risen with Christ, that means that when Christ died and rose again, you were one of his elect. And so you rose with him. It says, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Why is he sitting there? Because the work is complete. Okay. 
kumene kuri Kristu wokalapa tsanjala manja la mulungu and so that's why he says in verse 2 notice set your affection it's singular it doesn't say set your affections but set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. This is the same thing that the Lord said in my text in Matthew 6, that if your eye be single, affection, in other words, if you're focused on something, you're not paying attention to anything else. Your eye is single. Your affection is on things above and not on things on the earth, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. <laughs> Now, when he says in verse 3, ye are dead, we're alive, but we're dead in Christ. When he died, he died to put away our sin, and therefore, these things should not be our focus, like a dead person. A dead person is not thinking of things of this world, no matter how much they have. So being dead in Christ, it says your life is hid with Christ in God. That's where we're seated with him in the heavens. And so in verse 4, when Christ, notice, who is our life? In other words, we would not have any life, hope of eternal life, were it not for Christ. When he shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's where our treasure is, to have that life in Christ forever. Our material possessions will not pass from this life to the next, but all that Christ has done for us, making us who we are as children of God, saved by his grace, pardoned from sin, justified by his shed blood, all of those treasures continue to be ours not only in this life, but in the next and forever. And that's why we look to who he is and what he's accomplished for us in heaven. Mm -hmm. 
I want to stop here for today and next time pick up again with verse 21 to 23 because it's so important what is there that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, is what he says. So we're going to look at that next time, how the heart, by God's grace, looks to Christ alone and is not given to these things that cause many to perish. <laughs> In the book of Proverbs, it says, keep the heart, for out of it are the issues of life. And we know that's so. If we're left to a depraved heart without the light of the knowledge of Christ, we'll perish. But with the light of the knowledge of Christ revealed in our hearts, he's the one that keeps us looking to him alone. And that's the greatest blessing of all. I'll turn it back to you. Many thanks to God for this beautiful moment the Lord gave us today. For sure, this gospel revealed in the scriptures. To him be glory and honor. Amen.